Have you ever wondered what it's like to sit in on a magazine editorial meeting? Well, this is your chance. You're listening to Salt Lake Speaks, a monthly podcast where our editors, writers, and staff dig deeper into stories, chat with newsmakers, and talk amongst ourselves about arts, culture, food, music, politics, or whatever else might strike our fancy. After all, we are Utah's biggest fans. Hello, this is Mary Brown Maloof, executive editor of Salt Lake Magazine, and you're listening to Salt Lake Speaks. We're here today with Matthew Lake, chef owner of Alamexo and Alamexo Cantina. Matt grew up working in his dad's deli, went to the Culinary Institute, Culinary Institute of America and graduated at the top of his class, uh, apprenticed under chefs Marcel Dessonnier and Mark Miller, owner of Coyote Cafe. By the time he was 22, he was already running the kitchen at a restaurant in Washington, D.C. Uh, Food and Wine magazine named him its annual Best New Chefs list when he was 26. And not long after, he became the first non-Latino hired by legendary chef Roberto Santibanez to work in the kitchen at Rosa Mexicano, New York City's premier Mexican eatery. He moved to Salt Lake, opened Zion State Street, transformed it into Alamexo, and recently opened a sister restaurant, Alamexo Cantina, in the 9th and 9th neighborhood. Both places will be celebrating Mexico's unique holiday, Dia de los Muertos, on November 2nd, and when Matt is here to tell us about that celebration and how it will be served up at Alamex. So first, Matt, could you just explain a little bit about Day of the Dead in case people have it mixed up with Halloween or something? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I can. It's a, it, it's a really great holiday and, and you know, for a lot of uh, Americans unfamiliar with the holiday, it's the, it is the holiday where you see a lot of uh, the costumes and the famous uh, people painting themselves like skeletons and uh, all the big parades and things like that. And it's a really, really big deal in Mexico. It happens to fall right next to our Halloween. So I think that's where a lot of the confusion has come from. Well, they both come from All Hallows' Eve, yeah. which is 31st, which is a religious right. holiday. And so this is uh, All Souls Day, yeah, technically. All, yeah. And it is a day where the belief is that your loved ones and the people that have passed before you uh, you're inviting them basically, which is what I love, to come back and party with you. It, to come back and, and visit and to embrace and to uh, sort of really celebrate the life. Yeah, and, the and family reunion, including your yeah. dead uh, relatives, yes. right? Yes. And yep. so, ancestors. Yeah. And, and you what know, a fun some, idea. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> they can often be more fun than some of the relatives exactly. you have around, right? So <laughs> at, at the time, right? But uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's really beautiful and it's really festive. And, uh, you know, I remember the first time when I was younger, when I was a kid, when I saw images, because you see pictures, right? No one right. really explains. I saw pictures. And I remember thinking, oh, that's why they dressed with the white and the skeletons. And it looks a little creepy. And they've got the dresses. And I didn't, I didn't really understand it. And they're in the graveyards, especially like Oaxaca, with, the, uh, with everything lit up. And it's, it, you know, and I sort of didn't understand what it was. And I, then as I got older, I was sort of like, wow, that's a really cool Halloween thing they're doing, right? right. And then... You understand you the cultural You understand the cultural there and, and, yes. and what it represents and what it means. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's beautiful. And it's, you know, here, it is November 2nd. We sort of lump it into one day, but actually they celebrate for two. Right. So the first day is for the children. So mm-hmm. if anyone has passed on that as a, a minor or a child, 
right. uh, is sort of dedicated to the youth that have passed away and then everyone else comes in on the second. And what I, I love is that families build altars or ofrendas to commemorate those who are their loved ones who have died and they put on them all the things that uh, those people loved like yeah. uh, Coca bottle of Coca-Cola, a pack of gum, a quarter whiskey, you know, I mean, whatever <laughs> yeah. it was that, and, and of course a picture of that person so that you really um, uh, have tangible symbols yeah. well, of the relationship and they're not just person. symbols, those things are believed to, you know, you gotta, right. you gotta get Uncle Henry to want to come back. <laughs> And Uncle Henry really likes that mezcal, <laughs> and if you have it there, he's more likely to come. He's more join likely you. to come. He can go somewhere else that day and party with someone else. Right. So, I mean, Make the it's a great, irresistible. It's a great, and I the thing I, I love the most about the the altars or the is is it does while you're building those like we, we we make them in the restaurant. Right. And the staff gets involved. And and the fun part about it is is you all start talking about each other's families and, oh, I had this uncle that liked these cigarettes. And I remember when I was six, you know, he stopped smoking when I was 20, but he was right. six and they don't make these anymore. And they had this, you know, like all those kind of memories that sometimes you don't even realize with those day-to-day -day things, mm -hmm. uh, what, you know, whether that's food or, or something somebody liked to drink or a, a trinket or, or something that you, you might not come up in the normal discussion about someone's life because they're often mundane things, but then they're also right. really special when you really realize it, right? Right. So that's some of the, f I love about that. Right, right. So it, it, it brings people's memories up and together and that really bonds, is a bonding yeah. experience. Yeah, it's a so, so what all will you do at uh, Alamexo and Alamexo Cantina to celebrate these holidays, sure. so we'll run special. Well, we built we built altars. Mm -hmm. okay, so we build the offering, and we do it. Uh, we ask the staff to if they want to bring a photo of somebody in, or if they knew something in particular, if they would like to contribute, they're more than welcome to. If they don't want to, they don't have to. But it, it is fun to have them bring in right. pictures or little things, and so we we do we we do build those and. Um, we usually build them a few days before, just so we have them up and start sure. to get in the mood. Uh, and then we'll run specials those nights in the restaurant. Um, so downtown, uh, we'll be doing a couple specials. We'll be doing a, tr and we try to keep them really traditional. Right. What so, are some of the traditional Mexican well, Day of the Dead? You foods? know, it's really well. It's, it's the foods that they liked, right? Because you're trying to <laughs> make it. But a lot of times, so especially for these holidays, when you got to remember, so everyone's going to be out, right? Right. And then they're kind of doing their thing, and they got the parades and all the festives, and they're going to the grave. But then they come home, and then they so tamales, moles, right. uh, stuff like stuff that you know really slow, low and slow food that holds really that well holds. that can be sort of done and is a long process. So they don't and have it, to come home and fire yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It's sort of like it, got a here, pot yeah, here it is. The and tamales are steamed in the steamer and the mole's in the in the pot right. and it's ready to go and you know we're going to make some we'll make some tortillas quick and that kind of thing. And it's really sort of a um, often too amongst families a sort of roving you know, you might you stop at somebody's house and you may have a tamale oh, like here a and a drink. Yeah. 
we'll stop in at yeah, uncle's like, house yeah, for this yeah. and we'll go yeah, over and here. Yeah, you know, or, you know, families, a lot of times, especially Mexico, still live very close to each other right. or have cousins and things. So it also becomes a very communal thing. And so a lot of them, you know, it's it's stuff that lends itself to that. Right. Food, so, so you're not plating yeah. it up and putting the parsley yeah. garnish in exactly the right place <laughs> yeah. for this. You're just ladling yeah. it out yeah. and come on in and have a Yeah, bite. and, yeah. you know, and it's people coming and going and, you know, that that, that kind of thing. And uh, and kids running around and uh, there'll be lots of, uh, of course, pan de muerto, which is the traditional day of the dead breads. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the shape like bones. Yeah, it has right? yeah, has and sometimes they shape them like skulls, and right. they do all the great and sugar skulls for the kids, right. and uh, different kinds of candies and things, and so really just kind of really grabby, good, right. warm, like you know, just down, really down home. So, <laughs> so in the restaurants, we try to keep in that spirit, but you know, we are in a restaurant, and let's just sit down. So. Uh, so we'll be doing a mole. So we do a mole negro this year. Uh, we try not to repeat anything. So this year we haven't done mole negro yet uh, during Day of the Dead. So we're going to do mole negro. Traditionally, a lot of times mole negro would be served with turkey, right? Right. With, with papa. Right. But you know, I have found over the years I've tried because I like turkey. But it is you know America still there's Thanksgiving. Only a there's Thanksgiving. Th- there's th- really yeah. there's Thanksgiving or on a sandwich. <laughs> Other than that, it's not a good. So we're gonna. We're going to change it up a little bit, and we're actually going to uh, we're going to uh, slow braise uh, lamb with avocado leaf and a little eucalyptus, and have that so borrego with so it'd be the lamb with the mole negro. Oh, um, can you talk just a minute about mole negro because mole is one of those. I mean, it's actually sort of a, a, a verb for the name of a sauce that has many manifestations. Many, well, right? yeah, different variations. So, but mole and, negro, yeah. Specifically, so, so mole negro is is you know literally translated would be black mole, right? right? So it is the darkest and uh, richest mole. Often confused in this country for mole poblano, which we serve at the that's like our mole at the restaurant that we serve downtown all the time. We have mole poblano, and mole poblano is actually the one with the little bit of Mexican chocolate in it and so on. Right. But you know, if moles are made right, it's not this sweet. There can be hints of that, but it's not like this like chocolate sauce with some peanuts in it or no. bad variations. You have a lot of different ingredients in the in the idea behind a mole in general is to have these complex recipes but that they create one unique flavor. So really good mole, it is very difficult to taste it and say, oh I taste the almond, I taste the the pasilla chili, I taste the the idea is to have this unique flavor that has sort of all these so ingredients all sort of married to create, to create this one, one Flavor. Very complex, unique flavor. Much like, you know, uh, when people, you know, you could use a lot of wine analogies, really. Right. That that people often use to describe food. So mole negro is a very rich, and it is uh, it is uh, pasilla negro chili, which is so pasillas. There are slight different variations on pasillas, and they all originate from what we would consider to be the poblano pepper. Right in its dried form, but depending on the ripeness of the chili. So if they're, if they're really, oh. if they're ripened on the vine and they're ripened to red and then dried, a pasilla, beca- a poblano then turns into an ancho chili, uh-huh. right? I know if that. It's, if it's very young and very green when it's picked and then and then allowed to dry and not really ripen, it, it becomes the uh, pasilla. Then the pasilla negro is actually a different variety. It's it's like a, ch- a chulaca, it's a different, 
in Mexico, they would call it, they would still call it a pasilla, and this is where it gets a little confusing, but it's a longer, skinnier, almost like if you've been in a market, you've seen like the long green Hungarian peppers. Right. It sort of looks, it's a chili that looks like, like that, that but it's dark green, or like the famous hatch chilies from New Mexico. Yeah. They're long and skinny like right. that, but they're really light green. Right. right, almost yeah. a yellow. Yeah, they're chartreuse. Same shape, yeah, same shape, same length, but really, really dark green, like a super dark forest green. Okay. And those are the chilies that are dried when they're unripe for the Pasilla Negra. Okay. And then so the Pasilla Negra, really, really dark, rich, like almost like burnt raisiny. Again, using wine right. terms, right? Like flavor to it, not crazy on the heat side. Mm -hmm. Nice amount of heat, about a five on a scale. If you're saying one to ten about a five, but really, really rich. And so the Pasilla Negro is the basis of that mole. And then you have, you know, there's 30 other ingredients, everything from sesame seeds and three different right. kinds of nuts and right. a bunch of spices and canela. And, you know, and that one also uses Mexican chocolate, a little bit of the Mexican chocolate. Right. So it is, it's sort of, to me, it's, it's this very, it's also one of deceivingly, because when it's made right, when you look at it, I mean, it's very dark, it's almost black. And you look at it and you think it's gonna be like this amazingly heavy Bitter. thing that you put. And it's not. Right. It's just unique. You know, there's also, uh, you know, uh, roasted plantain in it, and there's bread and some rio right. cookie and all these different things. So, again, it's about that balance, and that's where looks are a little deceiving on it. And uh, but it's not this like sweet chocolate sauce. Of course. That people. Yeah. I know. Well, and it's I mean, great I, with. I put Mexican chocolate in my chili, my <laughs> yeah. Texas chili, because right. it gives just a little deep bass note there and it's yeah. not at all sweet. Right. It's about right. the quantity. Right. You know, obviously on anything right if anything's not done in balance. But but yeah, we love making the moles and you know, we'll start so you know, we have to have that ready for next week and we've got our, our we went and got our chilies already and you know, we'll we'll start roasting and doing everything over the weekend and then it'll and then our process is usually about seventy two hours from when we start to when we finish a mole from wow. process one to process two. Wow. And so you're gonna have mole negro and the uh uh yeah. at downtown mm -hmm. and um you're gonna have a special mezcal. Yes. Right. Well uh, you know, mezcals are mezcals, mezcals are the thing right now, right? right. And what is great is that uh, which I'm glad about. So I remember, you know, you could always go to Mexico. So mezcals are the sort of village local hooch, right? Right. And it's a different, so it's not blue agave. It's still agave. Right. But it's not necessarily blue agave. And agave grows all over Mexico. And uh, and there's different types. But the main difference in the process is, is that the, the pina from these agave are roasted. I mean, like in a big right. giant pit and really charred and burnt. Right. Right. And then those fruit are then mashed and then you know, fermented and then distilled into mezcal. Right. So mezcal, ironically, would often get confused. So especially like I, I grew up in like middle of nowhere, upstate New York, right? Right. And so, I mean, not that I did anything like this when I was too young to drink, but my first introduction to tequila when I looked back was at, it wasn't actually tequila, it was mezcal. So when the, you see the worm, Cause the people worm. say the worm. I mean, we're talking 1970s, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when people say the worm and the thing, that's actually mezcal. It's not. And it's not, not tequila. tequila. And that's why, you know, mezcal, you know, can, can really be, uh, you know, can be, Me can be everything from Mexico's equivalent to, uh, you know, moonshine, what we call moonshine here, good mm -hmm. old white lightning, right? To uh, very sophisticated. When you're in Mexico, when you're in villages, you know, if you get to know people, it'd be like, oh, no, no, here, come here. And they'll say something to somebody in the bartender walk, like get the good local. And as that's gotten discovered and people have really started to 
appreciate them here much in the way that Zephyr mescals to me remind me a lot in a way of like scotch. Yeah, they do. And, the, and, the, and that whole different flavor, like you have peaty scotches, right? right? And you've got smoky scotches and you've got like, you know, not all scotches created no. equal kind of thing. And mescals really remind me of that. Well, so then those are the things that uh, at downtown mm -hmm. and at the cantina, you're doing a, uh, a molete. Yeah, molete. Molete. So my, so our, my chef over at cantina, right before, about two months before we opened, he went to, he stayed in Oaxaca for a couple of weeks. He went down there and he just hung out in Oaxaca by himself. And he came back and he said to me, he goes, because I gotta tell you, after out of everything, he goes, you know what? He goes, I loved, he goes, I had it for breakfast like five times. Was these molete. And they are, it's uh, the same type of bread that mm -hmm. we make like when we do our tortas at lunch. Right. It's, it's that same really light, fluffy bread. And so they'll split it in the morning and then it's really seasoned black beans, mm -hmm. queso Oaxaca, and you melt that right and then you know uh pico de gallo and some onion and cilantro and crema on top and like and right. you just eat it like a right it when the very first time i had one when i was in mexico it made me laugh because it reminded me of what my mom used to make like little like toaster pizza like she'd take right, a roll she'd take a roll and split it right and then put you know so and i always try to enjoy these like French bread pizza. We're all the same, right? Like we all like, right, French bread, thank you. French bread pizza. Like when I was a kid, like that's what it reminded me of taking that, that sandwich roll sure. and splitting it. And, but it's so good. And yeah. so, and with Cantina with it being more sherry and, and right. just kind of more, and one menu and really casual. It's Lance, one menu we, yeah, all day said, at the Cantina, whereas Alamexo is more of a course by course. Yeah experience and Lance said can, can do you care if we I said no let's do it it'd be great and it's, yeah you know and it's just fine and it's easy to share because you can cut it up and everyone can have a piece right. of it and right. uh and it's funny I, I we made one the other day and I haven't had one I mean he's had him he was like I said he was just there two months ago so it's been a while since I bothered to have one and you know so we, we made we were working on the beans for it and doing so and we put one all together and it was like yeah and 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 Jesus and a couple of the guys that work with us in the kitchen they were like oh yeah like and I'm like you guys right. you can make this anytime you want you know we have all the stuff you, can, right. you don't have to ask me you can. right right so right, but it was right. it was uh, everybody's it's Mexican just Madeleine yeah just fun <laughs> and and you know I find that the some of those things that come out of Mexico that that to when you talk to somebody from Mexico, they just take for granted like every, like, so we right. just eat this, you know, every day. And we find the most special, right? Right. It's sort of like, you know, I've got friends, a lot of friends obviously in Mexico, like when they said, like with the first time they have a really good piece of apple pie. Right. Like just mind blown, like, oh my God, this is so, you know, <laughs> and it's like, it's just apple, yeah, it's good, it's apple pie. Like for us, like, cause I think you take those things for granted. Sure. When they're yours, right? You do. So, uh, so I use these holidays too to sort of, it's a good way to expose people to some of the, sometimes well, some things that are tasting take it for granted. Taste, tasting food is the best way to get to know another culture, and through celebrations like this one, you know you can come and have a taste of Dia de los Muertos at uh, Alamexo yeah. or Alamexo Cantina. How long will you run the specials? We'll run them for. Uh, well, we're we're gonna make them, and then we'll run them. So we'll start on. Uh, the, on the first, mm -hmm. and then, you know, usually we sell out by like the third. Right. But I don't, you know. Right. So it's we, not we, a special ending. You just do it until it's gone. No, we do it until. Yeah. I just yeah. want to. Yeah. And yeah, uh, we don't keep anything around. We, you know, so. It's that right. weird thing with me. I want it to be special too. Sure. Spe so. Yeah. Everybody needs to go check it out at Alamexo and celebrate uh, your own Dia de los Muertos with your own. 
deceased family. Invite all your dead uncles and aunts yeah. and party <laughs> on. Thanks. This is Mary Maloof. You can find out more about Salt Lake City's celebrations of Dia de los Muertos, including the one at Alamexo, at saltlakemagazine.com slash podcasts.